0: Conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562 314 4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Hey! Vanell Willingham, back with you on the fan. Here with you until 1 o'clock, as I'll take you right up, Matt's on deck. Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler. They'll take you up the first pitch and call the game for you and add some Brewers wrapping up their three-game series. And the bats got hot for the curly W's yesterday. But before we went to break, I asked you for your STOs out there, continue to get at me on Twitter with the hashtag SteamyTakesOnly Only or hashtag STO. The question I posed out there will be out there for you all show long. Which team in 2022 has the best chance? To be this year's Cincinnati Bengals. Go on that meteoric rise. And end up at the damn Super Bowl. Playing for the big game. Playing in the big dance. But. Before I went to break. I teased that. Some guys over at the NFL Network. Had a lot to say. About the Washington Commanders. And just how much pressure. Is going to be on this football team. Heading into the 2022 season. But take a listen. Listen which two guys they mentioned had the most pressure on them?
3: it's big for both of them I will start with Ron Rivera you know since he led that team to the, the Carolina Panthers to the Super Bowl in 2015 he's had one winning season since that time obviously they had the division win his, his first season but they were seven and nine so that that there's a lot of pressure right there and now he's putting it all on Carson Wentz this is the guy that you traded for to save your job carson wentz who came in during his first press conference looking like nick Papa Giorgio in the vegas vacation with that yellow jacket i don't know i don't know if that's how if if my job was on the line i'm not sure that's the guy i would
4: choose but you know what coach i wish you well and i'm not so sure ron's job is on the line i think he's trying to build a really good football team and that was an option and they didn't have I don't know the position or whatever the case it is to go and get the guy they wanted. But I will say, and I agree, MJ, the pressure is on you, Carson Wentz. It's been on you since you was picked. Number two, you had one half of a great season as a number two pick overall. Ever since then, you've been inconsistent, not the quarterback everybody thought you would be, not the guy to take games over in crucial situations, two-minute drives, to put your team in position, to go out and win big football games. You were with a great team last year. And that they needed a quarterback. That was the missing piece. And you guys lost to Jacksonville in the last week and, not, and missed the playoffs. So I'm saying you can be nonchalant. You can make sure, act like it's not a big deal. The pressure is on, my friend. They did not bring you there to be average or mediocre. They brought you there to elevate this team, to play at a higher level, and win football games and possibly in a tough division, because everybody has you guys probably at – third maybe right in that division to go out and win and possibly get in the playoffs. So you can act to the public like it's no big deal just out here and we got a good football team and all that. Throw that out the door. The pressure is on. If you don't make it here, you'll be a backup in this league.
2: Boy, that was Willie McGinnis and Adam rank of the NFL network talking about who has more pressure on them heading into 2022 For your Washington Commanders, you listed Ron Rivera and Carson Wentz and Willie McGinnis coming off the top rope on the new QB1 here in Washington, talking about Carson Wentz. As I'm listening to this last night and I'm putting the show together, I had some pushback. I had a little bit of pushback for the sentiments that Willie McGinnis echoed. And I'll give you guys my take on the situation as well. Look, they both got a lot of damn pressure on them uh, heading in to this 2022 season Ron Rivera as Adam Rank mentioned since he's uh since he took the Carolina Panthers to the Super Bowl and had a winning record as a head coach so that's obviously something that's going to be looked at under a microscope this the overall success of this ball club I think uh comes down to Carson Wentz though that, that's the interesting the interesting spin with that whole topic question and debate Ron Rivera's job hinges on the success of this football team pretty much. But the man who, in my opinion, is going to have the biggest impact on winning or losing for the Commanders in 2022, it's Carson Wentz. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword here. But Willie McGinnis tried to go a little hard there on Carson Wentz, basically trying to downplay the amount of success that Wentz has had in this league since he took the Philadelphia Eagles to an 11-3 start and was probably going to be the MVP for that season. Everyone wants to make a whole big hoopla and fuss about how Carson Wentz played last year in Indianapolis with the Colts. I'm done with it. Don't call into this. Sh- you know what? I'm never going to tell you not to call in. But be prepared for my rebuttal. If you call in here spewing negativity about the new QB1 of the Washington Commanders, Carson Wentz is coming off a season last year where he had the pressure on him. He proved it last year, in my opinion. I think everything he needed to prove happened last year. Because before last year, in his final year in Indianapolis, the numbers weren't pretty. Started 12 games, only completed 57.4% of his passes, only threw for 2,600 yards, 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. There was drastic improvement last year from Carson Wentz with the Indianapolis Colts, throwing for 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions. And guess what? Those 27 touchdowns tied for 10th most in the National Football League. Those seven interceptions tied for third least in the National Football League. He threw for 3500 yards. He did it in some big games. You know what I'm saying? There was big moments where we did see Carson Wentz show us flashes of just how talented this young man really is. I mean, specific instances. I'll take you. I'll take you to midseason. It's a loss at home against the Tampa Bay Bucks, but don't blame it on Carson. Don't blame it on Carson. This uh, this Indianapolis defense gave up 38 points to the Tampa Bay Bucks in a game where he goes. 27-44, throws for 306 yards, three touchdowns, got sacked three times. He played well in that game. There were other stretches we also saw him play well. Yes, I know it's against the New York Jets, but don't tell me you haven't seen him do it. 22-30, 272, three touchdowns, zero picks. We've seen him play big-time ball when it matters. We saw it a season ago in a big-time game on the road in December fighting for your playoff lives, they had to travel to Glendale to take on the Arizona Cardinals, who at the time were one of the hottest damn teams in the league. No big deal. Carson Wentz just goes out 18-28, to 28, 230 yards, two touchdowns, gets them the win. So don't tell me you haven't seen Carson Wentz do it in the biggest moments. We saw it last year. Yes, everyone wants to harp on the Las Vegas game and the Jacksonville game unable to win those games to get them into the postseason, which is why, essentially, they brought Carson Wentz to Indianapolis. But I got a message out there for anybody who's listening on the Odyssey app in Indianapolis or anybody who's a Colts fan. Blame your front office for the misfortune of the Indianapolis Colts, not just last year, the last two seasons. And in my opinion, it'll be three seasons in a row now with Matt Ryan, that you fail to reach the goals that you set for yourself. They brought in Phillip Rivers for the 2020 season, right? And yes, they made the playoffs, but Phillip Rivers wasn't that good with the Indianapolis Colts in his one season there at the helm being the starter. He didn't play magnificent football. Hell, he held them back. And what nobody wants to talk about and tell you, yes, they won 11 games, but that Indianapolis defense played marketably better in 2020 than it did in 2021. Let me read you off the stats of Phillip Rivers. 68% completion percentage. Threw for 4,100 yards. The touchdowns and interceptions, though, is what I have a problem with. 24 touchdowns to 11 picks. Unless you have all timers out there and you're listening, you know I just read your Carson Wentz stats from last year. 27 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Yes, he might have threw for 300, 400 less yards than Rivers did. But that's because he was handing the ball off to Jonathan Taylor every time you opened your eyes. Jonathan Taylor didn't, didn't come into his own until last season. So Phillip Rivers had more attempts. And guess what? Phillip Rivers got bounced in the first round of the playoffs. So my my thing is, it's the Indianapolis Colts putting this pressure on Carson Wentz. There is no pressure on Carson Wentz, in my opinion, because last year he proved he could do it. Anybody out there in this Washington fan base, I know damn well you'll take 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions from the quarterback position here in Washington. I know that for a fact. That's what I know. And as Adam Rank mentioned, Ron Rivera isn't. Scott free from pressure. Look at what he's done here. Look at the draft classes that he's had. He's had a couple guys hit. But he's had some major busts too. Look at the free agent decisions. Yes. In year one. Very successful in free agents. You're bringing Logan Thomas on a prove-it deal. Give him an opportunity to show... If he is an ascending player or not, if he's a player that you can grow and develop in your system, they brought in JD McKissick. He ends up being huge for you. They signed Wes Schweitzer. He ends up being huge for you. So there were some good free agent signings. Bobby McCain, I'll mark, as a good free agent signing. But look at your first round pick. I'm talking about Chase Young. I'm not talking about Jamie Davis. He's the number two overall pick. You failed to make and address the quarterback position. You failed to do that in a situation where it was supposed to be a coach-centric approach. You bowed down to Dan Snyder, an RIP to the late, great Dwayne Haskins. Ron Rivera and the company didn't didn't draft Dwayne Haskins. So when you came in here, you failed to address the quarterback position in two straight drafts. You had you the number two overall pick in Chase Young. You take him. Then you had a chance in 2021 to rewrite your destiny and situation at the quarterback position. And you went with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You had an opportunity to trade up and go get a guy like Justin Fields or Mac Jones. So don't tell me Ron Rivera doesn't have any pressure on him. You bring in a trainer from your old regime in Carolina, and he gets the damn doors kicked in. Looking for God knows what. They got the canines out. Looking for pills. Looking for whatever. Looking for steroids. Whatever they were looking for. This team regressed in year two. The defense took a major step back. The side of the ball that you're supposed to be most responsible for as a head coach. You're a defensive-minded guy. How poorly he's handled the media here in D.C. It's been too big for him. This isn't Carolina. He realized that right away when he tried to lie to the media about Curtis Samuel. And whether he had had surgery or not on that groin. Too focused on the outside noise. not going to name the person I'm talking about. I've seen him call media members to address something that was said on a show here on this radio station on a Tuesday in October when you're supposed to be worried about football. Ron Rivera has the most pressure on him going into 2022 for the Washington Commanders. And as a fan, sometimes it bothers me hearing members of the national media be so negative about this team because they're not here on the day-to-day getting the scoop from the people close to the team. But look, you know their words and opinions, they mean nothing. Let's see what the narrative is when September rolls around. We got to pay some bills right here, but on the other side of this break, I want to switch gears here a little bit because we've got a huge Game 5 in the NBA Finals tomorrow night between the Celtics and Warriors. They're back in the bay for this one, and I, and I expect Chase Center uh, to be electric tomorrow night. When we come back, I'll preview Game 5. Who needs to step up for each team to have the best shot at taking a 3-2 lead? And if you're feeling like a degenerate tomorrow night, In what? You should be putting a little cash on? I'll tell you that on the other side. Ride with me. Listen to 106.7 The Fan. We're also streaming live
3: nationally on the Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.
2: Welcome back. we Willingham here with you on the fan. You're listening live and local if you're in the DMV. We're also streaming live nationally on the Odyssey app. Here with you until 1.05 before I hand things over to Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler. They'll get you set for the final game of Nats Brewers. Nats continuing their homestand tomorrow. I believe the Atlanta Braves coming to town take on the Washington Nationals. But before we went to break, I told you I'd preview game five of our NBA Finals and anybody who's been watching knows just how good of a damn series this has been, man. We're now tied up at two games apiece. Golden State 10-point winners on Friday night and Stephen Curry, man. Talked about it a little bit yesterday. Really, with his performance on Friday night, really signifying one of the most elite finals performances of all time 7 of 14 from beyond the arc 43 points and the big thing for me was what he did for rebounding being able to pull in 10 rebounds including two offensive rebounds and that gets me into like some of the big differences i saw uh in game 4 and i'll tell you a little bit what i need to see in game 5 for the Golden State Warriors to have success, the big thing I saw in Game Four is their ability to control the glass. I thought that was huge, and when Stephen Curry is able to register ten rebounds in a game, two of them uh, coming on the offensive, you know, it's huge. Golden State able to excuse me, Golden State able to out rebound uh, Boston sixteen to eleven on the offensive glass. And Emi Udoka talked about it uh, going in to that fourth quarter, and he was talking to uh, Lisa Salters uh, of ESPN going to that fourth quarter. You know, He said just how important it was for Boston to be able to close out and finish these possessions defensively because when Golden State was getting these offensive rebounds, you're now in scramble mode, and it allowed a lot of wide-open three looks. For Golden State and a team with the shooting prowess um, that the Warriors have. You can't give them wide open looks from three. That's just something you cannot do. And in game five, I'm also looking for the Boston Celtics. The shot selection's got to be better. And they struggled from the field uh, in game four. They only shot 34%. percent um, i only shot 40%, excuse me. Including, you know, they shot 40% from beyond the arc, so that's good. But plus 13 on the board, they got to rebound better. And then the shot selection, like I said, it's got to be better. They turned the ball over 16 times. But just them working the ball around, them playing unselfishly, it's going to help them out tremendously. They got a lot of gifted guys on the offense. But when it comes to guys being able to create their own shot, it's really Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, uh, and Marcus Smart, depending on which day of the week it is. When Jason Tatum is able to blow by his man and put this Warriors defense in rotation, it's when they play their best brand of basketball. It's when things open up for this team offensively. And what we saw on Friday night, a little too much iso ball. Not enough movement from the Boston Celtics on the offensive end. And it allowed the Golden State Warriors to get out in transition where they really got into them. On the stat sheet, it says Boston led 14-8. That's why you don't trust stats, people. They say numbers don't lie. Winnell Willingham here to tell you, youngest in charge, leader of the new school, numbers do lie. Numbers do lie. Because watching that basketball game, I can count four or five times where they took a bad shot offensively for Boston, Golden State gets the rebound, and now you're pushing in transition and you're allowing the Golden State Warriors to play at that frantic pace that they want to play at and it allowed them to get a lot of open looks uh, from the three-point line in transition. I think Boston's got to do a much better job in game five finding the shooters on Golden State in transition, doing a better job just matching up overall in transition, whether it's stopping the ball, whether it's finding Klay Thompson, getting a body on Klay Thompson. They got to be more consistent with that uh, if they want to win game five. And the big key for me for Golden State is they got to continue to help out Stephen Curry and we saw it there in that game four. Jordan Poole came alive and really you know, did some damage, finishing with 14 points total in the game. It was him. It was the combination of him, Kevon Looney, corralling four offensive rebounds. We mentioned just how deadly those offensive rebounds were uh, for the Golden State Warriors, allowing them to kick out to open shooters for three, and that's, the op- that, that's an example of a culture. Because on most basketball teams, Look, I played you know basketball in high school. I played it in Little League. I was always the bigger guy. I was the, I was the big man. When I get a rebound, an offensive rebound, I'm trying to go back up. I'm trying to score. I'm trying to get my buckets. The difference in Golden State and a guy like Kevon Looney getting these offensive rebounds, he's got the awareness to know that, hey, they're helping and there's multiple guys crashing. One of my shooters are going to be open on the three-point line uh, once I'm able to corral this offensive rebound. I'll tell you who I got uh, for game game five in this series. I think the Golden State Warriors at the Chase Center, Stephen Curry coming off back-to-back great performances. I think they get it done, and they take a 3-2 series lead. But as I've said all along from the get-go, I think the Boston Celtics win this series, and I think it goes the distance. I think it goes seven, but I like Golden State. Uh, tomorrow night to get that done, you can check that game out on ESPN. Nine o'clock tip off uh, over on over the ESPN family of networks. It'll be playing on ABC. ESPN also have an alternate coverage, I believe, uh, over on ESPN two. But let me give you, let me tell you where to throw some of your money at in this series. Uh, looking at the FanDuel Sportsbook app, and shout out to our friends over at FanDuel. My lock of the night for tomorrow night. It's an easy one to me. Jason Tatum, three and a half threes. I'm taking the over. And here's why. Every time Jason Tatum has had a poor shooting performance in this playoffs, he has bounced back and went berserk. And he even did it last game, going four of eight from beyond the arc. Although it was a poor shooting performance in total. He finished eight of twenty three. Give me the over, which is currently set right now by by the FanDuel Sportsbook at three and a half. Give me the over on that first three-pointers. And then give me the points as well. He had his points at 26 and a half. He finished with 23 the other night and only shot 8 of 23 from the field. So give me the over on Jason Tatum's points and three-pointers if you're trying to throw some money down uh, and win some big money. As I said from the get-go, the series would go seven. Speaking of going the distance, when we come back, I'll be joined by a man with that old-school hustle, in my opinion, man. One of the best in the biz and the leader of late-night sports talk radio, Jr. The host of the JR Sport Brief Show joins me. We'll take a spin around the professional sports landscape. We'll get his thoughts on these NBA finals. We'll also ask him about Jack Del Rio in much, much more. You don't want to miss this
4: interview. The leader of late nights joins the leader of the new school next here on The Fan.
2: Welcome back. Linnell Willingham here with you on the fan, taking you up 105. I'll hand things over and pass the ball to Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler. We'll get you ready for Nats Brewers. Game three, final game of that three-game series between the Nats and the Brewers. They'll get you set at 105, following myself with Nats on deck. First pitch of that one set for 135. Nats had the bats hot yesterday. Past two days uh, in this series against the Brewers. Hopefully the Curly W's continue to raise. But right now, man, I've been hype about this all week ever since I booked my big homie, man. Joining me right now on the BetQL guest hotline, Bet Smarter, Beat the Books, download the BetQL app. My man JR from the JR Sport Brief. You can catch him weeknights, Monday through Friday, 10 to 2 a.m. on CBS Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. You can also hear him on 106.7 The Fan here. We play CBS Sports Radio when I'm not on here with you late nights if there's no Nationals game, the leader of late night, what I like to call you, Big Bro. Thanks for joining me, man. Well, I no, a piece of cake, man. How are you? I'm good, my man. I'm good. JR, mm-hmm. there was a lot I wanted to talk to you about, man, because you're a man of many hot takes and opinions. And I want to start here, keep it local. Here in our nation's capital, I know you probably have heard the comments that Jack Del Rio made this past week. And I didn't get to tune in to hear your take on it, so we'll give you the opportunity in the floor right now. Tell us your initial thoughts when you heard these just blasphemous comments come out of the mouth of the Washington Commanders defensive coordinator.
1: He's an idiot. <laughs> I mean, Straight it, up. And that's, that's it in short. When you need to go out of your way to bring up something totally unrelated uh, is, is just mind-boggling. And it shows you where his, his heart probably lies the majority of the time yeah I, I have no issue with anyone bringing up property damage or anyone being upset with protesters and that's that's fine but it's totally unrelated and then what that's separate and the second thing is it was disrespectful it was disrespectful to the dc community everybody in virginia maryland it it was better off not being said and uh dollars for a fine that's probably the start for him i wouldn't be surprised if he gets through the year at some point he gets the boot because he's laying his bed he's making yep. it now he's going to have to lay it
2: yeah and it'd be different jr if the commanders didn't take such a step back on the defensive side of the football uh season ago jr i don't know if you played organized sports
1: before have you uh no i played in the street and my body pays for it now <laughs>
2: but you know right when you playing ball outside in the streets on, on the court and somebody comes out It says something outlandish like this, you know it's not the same. You don't want to run with that guy the next day probably, right?
1: No, it's over because either retaliation is going to come, the trust is gone. broken. And so absolutely, guys in that locker room are not going to come out and publicly bash Del Rio. If anything, I've heard and I've seen that you've had players that have done the opposite. They pretty much copped the plea and said, hey, it doesn't bother me. But the fact is people talk, guys talk. And uh, the fact that they're silence actually shows you that the locker room probably is not dealing with him, and they're going to keep it quiet. Keep it that way.
2: Yeah, I had Darren Haynes on earlier from WUSA 9, and he played college football, and he expressed those exact same sentiments, Jr., It would make no sense for the players to come out and further create a distraction that Jack Del Rio's created by making those senseless comments. Because the first, the first player that comes out publicly and disagrees and now gives – people like you and myself in the media, more ammunition to poke holes at what the hell Jack Del Rio said.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's going to be a, a slow burn yeah, for a Jack Del Rio. It, yeah. And it's, it's unfortunate that the slow burn pretty much starts at the top with Daniel Snyder. And uh, I, I've said this on my show many a times at night, that unfortunately Ron Rivera isn't just tasked with being a football coach. He is tasked with being – a mop up man, and from the minute that he's arrived, he has had to mop up and be the the, the face for plenty of issues that don't have anything to do uh, with the football side of things on the field, and it's, uh, it's 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 bad.
2: Yeah, it's definitely bad. Joining me right now on the BetQL guest hotline, Bet Smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today. Is my man Jr. the host of the Jr. Sport Brief, the leader of late night, is what I like to call you, big bro. You can catch them Monday through Friday on CBS Sports Radio from 10 p.m. Eastern to 2 a.m. Eastern time. And, JR, I want to switch things over to the hardwood. Before you got on, I was talking about the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics and just the stellar performance we saw from Stephen Curry on Friday night. Where do you rank that amongst the finals performances of all time? Because in my opinion, if they're able to win this series – the way that it's going right now, and he's putting the team on his back like this after these NBA finals are all said and done, he's going to be viewed as the best point guard of all time.
1: I I don't know if it's going to be the best point guard of all time. No, I don't know about the best point guard. it's, 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 It's tricky. Steph Curry, is he a point guard by position? Yeah, but we know what this guy's job is. He's a, he's a shooting guard. He just so happens to be the smallest dude out there. And he, they, they, they put him at that position. Um, So I think it's tricky when I think point guards, it's, it's, it's more so about who is, who is setting other guys up and he, he'll set guys up, but you know, that's, that's pretty much in their offense. That's Draymond's job. And they, they do such a great job with ball movement. uh, Everybody eats, but he is undoubtedly the the best and greatest shooter of all time. Um, It doesn't matter if he's spotting up. It doesn't matter if he's going to the basket. It doesn't matter if he's coming off of a screen, going off the dribble. He is, He's like a a Swiss Army knife of shooters. Typically, you have a shooter who's good at a couple of things. uh, But he can literally get his shot anywhere, anytime. And uh, I I think you're going to have a few people, maybe the the few folks who looked and said, oh, well, he didn't do this, or he needed Durant to do that. And yeah, 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 he was the second best. This is a reaffirmation that he's, he's special. We all know that. But he's going to be able to probably, if they win the series, walk away with an MVP award that would put a stamp on it.
2: Yeah, definitely would be a huge resume builder for the historic career so far of Stephen Curry. You mentioned Draymond Green there, and obviously, Jr. You're active on the social media. As you know, the Jr. Uh, excuse me, Draymond Green has been the butt of many jokes on social media for you know his lack of activity during this finals. You know, even saw ESPN use a lower third graphic saying that he had more fouls than points. What have you yeah. seen from Draymond Green, and do you think the Warriors can win this series with him playing at this poor of a level?
1: Well, they, they're certainly staying there. Right. I mean, he's playing like trash. Uh, he's, what it he's is. pretty what he, He's pretty much said it himself. Uh, I saw a tweet by his mom on Friday night. She said people <laughs> are asking her, you know, what's going on with my son, and she's joking about it. I have no idea. Um, yeah, he's playing bad. He's playing terribly. I have no idea if it's a mental block. I will assume that's what it is at this point. At the same time, you got to give credit where credit is due. The, the Celtics are a, a great defensive team, and they're giving him fits. He, he's, not, he's not an offensive player. He is, he's an all-around player. Uh, he knows how to initiate an offense. He knows how to set a screen. He can rebound. He plays defense. He does everything out on the court. But scoring is not his forte. Uh, So I'm not all that shocked that he's not putting up points at his traditional clip somewhere between, I don't know, eight and 14. Uh, But the fact that he's going flat with like two points and has more fouls than points is something that I wouldn't imagine. But I do think that the Warriors can still win this series without him scoring. Uh, The other night he was able to, you know, grab about eight rebounds, seven assists. Uh, Steph Curry went out and had 43 though. And so, do you want him to do that every game? Probably not, even though he's capable. Uh, But I think they can win with Draymond. Even if it's a big stop here or there and he has some other mediocre games, I I think they'll be fine.
2: And, Jerry, you know, once mama gets involved on Twitter, it's time to step your damn game up,
1: right? (laughs) Yeah, you don't want – nobody wants their mother. I don't care if you're at elementary school, high school, college, or the pros, you don't want your mama talking about the game.
2: Joining me right now on the BetQL guest hotline, Bet Smarter, Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app, joined by the leader in late nights. You can catch him Monday through Friday, 10 o'clock Eastern Time, PM to 2 a.m. Eastern Time on CBS Sports Radio. You can follow him on Twitter at JRSportBrief. I want to take things over to the ice, JR, because yeah. you are based in New York and you got to witness one of the most epic collapses, maybe in the history of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The New York Rangers on the brink. We're on the brink, in my opinion, up two zero of taking out the back-to-back defending champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. What was your thoughts on that series and how they collapsed, and what's next for the New York Rangers moving forward?
1: Oh, man. Well, I'll give myself a little bit of a cop-out. I split time between New York and Atlanta. Okay. And so last night during the game, I was actually on a plane. I was on my way to Atlanta. I was up in New York. And so I saw bits and pieces. But what the New York Rangers have done this postseason is give every Ranger fan a heart attack. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter if it was with the, the Penguins or then going on to the Hurricanes and here the Lightning. The fact is, this was not the expectation for the Rangers, for them to even be up to this point. And so the New York Rangers have to look at it as a building block. They were up 2-0 here against the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, they became tentative. They were up against the champs who were more aggressive, who have experience, and you could see it with their passing, slapping the puck around instead of actually going for the shot, thinking too much. And so I think this is a part of the, the process and the learning curve, and I think it will make them better going into the future. Um, they had a chance. It, it sucks that they were right there two games away, but that's what happens when you face off against the team that's going for their third cut.
2: J.R., I know you got to run. I'll let you out of here on this. Go back to the hardwood. Give me your, your finals prediction here. Do you think the Warriors or Celtics get it done here?
1: Well, I mean, now that we're out of a best of three, I'm, I'm going to go with the Warriors. I had Ooh. the Warriors from yeah, I had the Warriors, uh, from the get-go. I thought it would go six or seven. And they're just they're punching each other in the mouth. I mean, I'd prefer for all the games to be much closer all the way through instead right. of these you go on a 20-point run. I go on a 20-point <laughs> run. Everybody gets
2: um, a 20-point run.
1: Yeah, you know it's 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 more like pinball instead of back and forth. So right. it seems that we're in a boxing match. These are the late rounds, and I'm I'm going to still take the Golden State Warriors to win. I, I'm assuming it's going to go into seven. They just they go back and forth right now. I'm going to take the Warriors.
2: Jr. Appreciate you giving me some time this morning, my man. Stay up, my man.
1: Oh, dude, a pleasure, man. You take it easy. Thank yes, you. Sir.
2: Always good catching up with my big bro Jr. You can hear him Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern time on CBS Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. When we come back, I'll tell you why I got all fired up yesterday, but I went back to listen to the show I did yesterday, 1 to 3.35. News flash. It was all for nothing. Keep it locked. Linnell Willingham here with you on 106.7 The Fan. We're also streaming live nationally
1: on the Odyssey app.
2: Welcome back. Phil Willingham here with you on the fan. We give a big thanks to JR, JR of, the, of, of JR, JR Sport Brief Show. JR, JR, JR. I want to thank JR. That's what I wanted to say. Big thanks to JR hopping on with me this past segment, taking a spin around the professional sports landscape. And he gave his takes on Jack Del Rio and. I was interested by his comments, hearing it from somebody who takes more of a national angle when it comes to the National Football League, isn't really super focused uh, on the D.C. market, as you guys heard him talk about, based primarily splitting time between New York and Atlanta, and on CBS Sports Radio, the show he does weeknights Monday through Friday, got to talk about all the national news. So to hear his take uh, on on the Jack Rio situation, which has now become national news. Uh, it was very interesting to hear, and I want to appreciate Jr. for for spewing some of his thoughts uh, on that. I'll poke a little bit of fun at myself uh, right now, because yesterday I was hyped. If you were tuned into me yesterday, one to three thirty-five here on the fan, I was locked and loaded. I, I I was fully ready to go, taking on all all comers. The phone lines were packed. I appreciate you guys tapping in with me. Um, people didn't like what I had to say. Regarding Jack De Rio. And for one, I don't really care if you like what I said about Jack De Rio. I'll, I'll put that out there first and foremost. So continue to call in. You know, I'll always, always uh, support you guys calling in. But just know, those who called in with the ignorance yesterday, keep doing it. Please. I don't care. I'll just hang up on you. Like like I, like I did uh, to a few guys yesterday. But as I'm going back and I'm, and I'm sitting down, sitting by the pond, you know, marinating, meditating, really listening back to yesterday's show. It made me go back on Twitter, and I'm like, I wonder if Jack is, uh has tweeted anything. So I was a little bit worried um, just because I haven't been doing this for a long time, and I got some serious blowback uh, from you guys out there on my comments, and it got a little feisty, that's steamy here on 106.7 The Fan yesterday. And I was like, man, I wonder I wonder if Jack Del Rio's tweeted anything since. So I go to look at Jack Del Rio's Twitter account and the pond that I was at listening to the show yesterday, not a lot of good service there. So when I go look at his Twitter and it say we cannot load these results, I'm thinking, Oh man, I don't got any service. T Mobile out here doing me dirty again, you know. This is why I should switch to the world's largest. Talking about Verizon, currently and right now in a phone battle, as you can see, for who's got the best service. And I'm thinking, man, maybe T-Mobile is just doing me dirty, and I can't get I can't load his Twitter because I don't got any service right now. So I didn't switch locations, and well, before I switched locations, actually, I tried to look up somebody else's tweet who I don't follow because I don't follow Jack Doril; he doesn't follow me. I said, I wonder what Barack Obama's doing on a Saturday. I go try to look at. Forty four's Twitter and it doesn't lead either. It doesn't load either. So I'm thinking it's just a service issue. And I go and relocate to a better location and spot. And I go back to Jack Del Rio's Twitter, and it's still not loading. And I'm like, all right. Then I start thinking, brain starts turning. I did go a little hard yesterday on Jack Del Rio. I'm thinking, Jack Del Rio? did Maga Jack block me on Twitter? And I once again go look up Barack Obama and the tweets load. So I'm like, okay, it's not T-Mobile failing me. Clearly, Maga Jack has blocked me on Twitter, and the young hosted me. This is only what my seventh show that I've done. I'm hyped. I said, oh man, I'd have, I'd have done enough. I'd have stirred the pot enough that the defensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders took his time to block me. I was on top of the world. I was on top of the world, and then. I was with my brother yesterday, and he says, "Man, maybe you're suffering from main character syndrome." <laughs> I said, "Main character syndrome? What's that?" He tells me, "When you think you're a little bit more important than you actually might be, young brother." So I'm like, "All right, what do you mean by that?" Then I then I go a text a text Grant Paulson, you know, getting getting some of his uh, takes on on the show from yesterday, getting some of his feedback as I always do, and I go, "Yeah, Grant, Jack Jack the Real blocked me on Twitter." I see a tweet from our friend Nikki Javala over at the Washington Post breaking the news to me that Jack Rio had deactivated his Twitter account. So in my head, I'm like, man, I'm on top of the world. I'm getting cloud out here. People keep following me on Twitter. N-E-L-L underscore i I'm plugging it right now. People paying attention to what I'm saying. I got Jack Rio to block me on Twitter. It was not the case. Unfortunately, I was suffering from main character central. But speaking of the commanders and defense coordinator, Jack Del Rio, on the other side of this timeout, we'll keep things on the gridiron. I'll be joined by former commanders tight end, Logan Paulson. He was out in Ashburn at OTAs for every session these past couple weeks. He'll give us an OTA stock report, who's hot, who's not, as the team gets ready to enter the voluntary portion of OTAs. Ride with me. Leno Willingham here with you on 106.7 The Fan. We're also streaming live nationally on the Odyssey app.